Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hello, friends and neighbors. Welcome back to the Bill Press Pod, and welcome to this week's Reporters Roundtable on this Friday morning, June 10, about 8.30 a.m. in our nation's capital, where everyone is recovering from and reacting to last night's big event, the first public hearing of the Select House Committee on January 6th, in prime time, carried live gavel-to-gavel by all three broadcast networks. By any standards, it was an incredible hearing featuring never-before-seen video of the assault on the Capitol last January 6th, eyewitness accounts of witnesses on the front lines, and testimony establishing Donald Trump as the man behind the attempted coup, testimony from his top aides and his daughter. Every member of today's panel, plus your host, was either in the committee room last night or watching on television. So that's where we start. Joining us today with their reactions, Elena Train, congressional reporter from Axios, Igor Babish, senior politics reporter at HuffPost, and Jeff Dufour, editor-in-chief of the National Journal. Uh, hello to you all. Thanks for joining us. Good to have you on board. Uh, so, Elena, let's start with you. You were in the uh, committee room last night. I want to ask each of you to start with what were your overall takeaways or overall reaction was. Elena, start us off from what the mood was inside that room, where it happened. Well, thank you so much for having me on, Bill. Um, And the room, I mean, it was quiet the entire time. Everyone in that room was captivated by what was happening. And I do think that the committee was very effective in how they were presenting their evidence. Um, And I think the thing that really gripped a lot of people in the room was the video footage they show, particularly the depositions from Trump White House officials themselves uh, on video and members of Trump's family, um, as well as they they also played some very haunting video footage from January 6th, never before seen that I recall watching the the committee members as that footage was playing and they were all very tight-lipped, very solemn, everyone in the room, the reporters, people uh, the in the audience, like members of Congress who, who were there on January 6th, everyone really gripped by that footage. Um, I remember Elaine Luria you know, holding herself the entire time while, while watching it. And so it, it was definitely a powerful hearing and, and they delivered their evidence that they had in a very effective way, in my opinion. Um, the, the issue is going to be how many Americans were watching and and how many people this will actually affect in the long term. Mm-hmm. Igor, your overall takeaway. Yeah, I mean, I, I was uh, surprised really in, in 
in the production value and and um, the news value on, on both fronts. You know, as as you know, and as we all know, a lot of these hearings tend to be tend to involve a lot of throat clearing at the front end, and you know, all these giant statements. So I was a little expecting something more boring, uh, I will say, but <laughs> right. you, could, you could really tell, you know, there's some reporting that they brought in a uh, TV exec, former TV exec to handle uh, so their, their, you know, prime time uh, rundown. And uh, you, it, it sort of resembled uh, like a 60 minutes package to me, you know, it was very tight mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, they had um, this investigator on screen going, running you down through what they were covering. And it was, it was sort of like an episode, uh, episode one of the impeachment, uh, not impeachment, uh, the uh, January 6th uh, committee investigation. And it was so compelling um, to see, you know, Trump advisors in their own words, um, you know, repudiating whatever lies Trump was saying at the time. Um, And, uh, you know, as Elena said, uh, I'm not exactly sure what the impact is going to be. We've we've all been through so many of these now, you know, asking Republicans, does this matter? Does what, what's your opinion of this? And nothing has seemed to matter. So, you know, but but for at least for the moment, I thought it was quite, quite important to lay all this out and and make sure that people actually knew knew what happened that day. Yeah. Jeff, you were watching. What was your reaction? Um, I was a little bit skeptical going in and I was that, that this would move the needle much. And I was also mm-hmm. skeptical when they uh when they played this this video with the new footage, because remember they showed a, a video during the second impeachment trial that right. was very compelling, very graphic, et cetera. And I, my initial reaction was, are oh, they going to do this again? But but boy, was it effective! Um, not just because it was new, but be- because it brought everybody in the room and everybody watching back to that moment and. It, I think the video was critical that it undercut the counterfactuals that a lot of the Republicans and Fox News have been putting mm-hmm. out, that nothing happened, there's nothing to see here, when in fact, as, as Officer Edwards said, there was actually a war zone on the Capitol grounds. People got hurt, including her, people died, uh, something definitely happened there, and there is blame to be assigned for it, which, right. which brings us to Liz Cheney and, and effectively assigning the blame. Uh, well, in fact, let's go right there, because what struck me was uh, from the very beginning in Chairman Benny Thompson's opening statement and then Liz Cheney, they went right to their, I think, main point And the conclusion of their year investigation was to pinpoint Donald Trump as not just what happened at the Capitol, but he was the guy behind it in her memorable phrase of the role of Donald Trump, here is Liz Cheney. On this point, there is no room for debate. Those who invaded our Capitol and battled law enforcement for hours were motivated by what President Trump had told them, that the election was stolen and that he was the rightful president. President Trump summoned the mob, assembled the mob, and lit the flame of this attack. So, Elena, that seemed to be the goal of the committee, right? To pinpoint Donald Trump as responsible and to hold him accountable. Did they succeed in that, do you think? Well, that's exactly right. I think if they've had they succeeded, they they did a good job of previewing the the case they're going to make over the course 
of the June hearings. And I think it will become far more evident as they do that. And and that is their goal. It is to prove that the former president was at the center of this. And one thing that I actually found to be um, very interesting is there was a reason, and it's very intentional, I think, that that Liz Cheney was the one who was making these points very salient against Donald Trump and his former officials and members of his family. They wanted someone who was delivering this evidence that was a Republican, yes, but also um, you know, a Cheney. She's the the daughter of a Republican vice president. And to have all of those facts laid out by her specifically, um, I think was definitely a very intentional move that we should expect over the course of the month and throughout the rest of the hearings. Yeah. And Igor, one surprise for me was that at the very, I hadn't seen this before, at the very end when they played the video, again, trying to make the case pointing the finger at Trump, right? They played the videos of clips from the, some of the people who were there, who were the rioters among the mob, right? Who told, who made it very clear, the only reason they were in Washington was Donald Trump invited them. Yeah, I mean that's right. There's there's one bit in that video where you see a, a rioter with a with a megaphone reading uh, one of Trump's tweets, uh, criticizing Mike Pence, and that you know in real time you see the the chant around him go up, you know, hang Mike Pence, and that the 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 clear line there between what Trump was saying online to what was happening on the ground is is firmly established, and um, I think also in the video you see another interesting moment, which is. Um, Kevin McCarthy's staff running yeah, running yeah. to cover, um, and and the the way he has uh, completely done a one eighty flip on you know what he said in the days after the attack versus shortly later and and now um, you know completely dismissing it uh, speaks volumes and uh, you know there was a moment there where Liz Cheney directly uh, calls out Kevin McCarthy <laughs> for quote being scared uh, to, 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 you know, to challenge uh, President Trump there was, was interesting in the, in, the, in the tension, the long-running tension between the two of them during this, uh, this entire process. You know, uh, on Pence, Jeff, I don't know whether you caught this, but I almost fell off my chair when Liz Cheney just casually mentioned that uh, someone told them, someone testified, that at the White House, while the crowd was chanting, hang Mike Pence, that Donald Trump told staffers at the White House, maybe the supporters have it right. He deserves it. That was that was one of the one of the bombshells. That, Stunning. Yeah. <laughs> that, that one of the things we hadn't heard yet that that really stuck out last night. And there was a lot of Trump Pence dichotomy. Uh, you had the conversation between um, undisclosed before between Mark Meadows and uh, and Millie, the uh, chairman of the Joint Chiefs, where um, he Meadows is saying like we got to tamp down this narrative that 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 Pence is the good guy and he's and and he's doing everything right, and Millie's saying that's just politics. I'm not going to get involved in that. Um, and then you had um, Mark Short as part of the Pence's former chief of staff, as, as part of the, um, uh, the, the, the video clips, it was, uh, and, and look at the, the piece in the Atlantic, uh, yesterday from, from Jonathan B. Last that, that Pence is actually an American hero and we should begin to recognize that. <laughs> uh, 
which is, you know, take that, take mm. that for what you will. A lot of people right. piled on him for that, but, but still there is this, this narrative, uh, really taking shape as news is sort of receding now into history that, that Pence is one of the good guys here and, yeah. and, and he did the right thing when he had to. Right. Uh, so uh, Igor, to your point about, um, the, uh, how, how they hired this TV producer, right. Uh, to make it a really professional 60 minutes kind of pr- presentation. Uh, I thought one of the surprises was, all right, you want to make the case against Donald Trump. Who do you call as your first witness? Who's the first video to make the case against Donald Trump? It wasn't some Democratic senator or some Democratic member of Congress. It was Trump's attorney general, Bill Barr. Here he is telling the committee what he told Donald Trump about his claim of massive election fraud. Three discussions with the president that I can recall. In that context, I made it clear I did not agree with the idea of saying the election was stolen and putting out this stuff, which I told the president was bullshit. I observed, uh, I think it was on December 1st, that you know, how can we? You can't live in a world where where the incumbent administration stays in power based on its view, unsupported by specific evidence, that the election that there was fraud in the election. Uh- so that was pretty telling, Igor, huh? Right, going into Trump's White House and getting his own people to testify against him. Yeah, and, and you know, I think uh, Bill Barr recently released a memoir where he he says this and yeah. this exact quote, uh, calling Trump's uh, fraud claims bullshit. But uh, to see him on video, uh, you know, quite clearly uh, condemning this effort to overturn the election was was very. Uh, very compelling. And I think there's a reason, as you said, why they let off with him. Um, and, and later on, you know, also including his, his own, uh, his own daughter, Ivanka Trump, yeah, saying that she right. found, she found Barr's uh, testimony also compelling. Um, so they're clearly, they're clearly trying to um, describe and, and uh, point the finger at Trump, but, but not just, you know, the members of the committee, making right. this argument, but his his own aides and, and advisors who were there. So uh, it, it's it's it was quite compelling to see and hear in the words of their his own people what happened that day. Right. Ivanka. And then we, of course, we saw heard uh, Jason Miller, right, as well. One of his top political aides say that Trump knew for for weeks, if not months, that he was going to lose the election. Uh, and that people had had told him about that. Elena, you've sat through many, many committee hearings. How many hearings have, have we seen where nobody else on the committee says anything? They just sit there, right? There was <laughs> there was no Jim Jordan taking his coat off and jumping up on the desk and playing for the cameras, right? It was a pretty steady, pretty calm, pretty professional presentation. It was, and... It was also, again, a very intentional thing on the behalf of the committee. They did not – I mean, being in the room, I I did have a lot of – I drew a lot of comparisons to the impeachment hearings, particularly in the Mm -hmm. first impeachment um, proceedings against Donald Trump. And those went on for hours and really dragged on. And I think it was clear in the ratings um, that everyone studied following those hearings that – as much attention as 
they tried to hold of the American public, it dropped off the longer, of course, the longer that those go on. And so they really tried to pack this into a tight and succinct um, time frame, 90 minutes. They went a little bit over. It was, it was closer to two hours than it was 90 minutes. But th- that was part of the reason they only wanted the chairman, Benny Thompson, and vice chairwoman, Liz Cheney, to to do the the talking here. And so- and again, it was a lot less political theater. They really do mm. want the facts to speak for themselves, and they have so much evidence, and and that's really the goal. Um, and so I think that's going to be another characteristic over the course of of all their hearings this month. We will definitely see, I'm told, different members speak during these hearings, but they really do want to limit that. They want to keep their, you know the the words coming from them to a limit. And that also is the goal of, of course, pushing back against the criticism from those on the right, from Donald Trump and his allies and, and House Republicans and Republicans throughout Washington, is so that if, if the words and the facts aren't coming as much from the committee, with they, which they've already labeled as partisan and already dismissing mm-hmm. as, as being a witch hunt, if they can do it from the words of, of Trump officials themselves, like we saw last night, um, or, or through the crucial witnesses, they find that to be far more effective than than having you know the case being made by them themselves. Uh, and again, uh, some of the most memorable lines I think last night came from the vice chairman Liz Cheney. Uh, Elena, I think you're right. Deliberately, they gave her sort of the lead role in making in making the case. Uh, and again, uh, she summed it up uh, talking about. It was Donald Trump. This was his idea from the beginning, part of his seven-point plan to overthrow the government. Here's uh, Liz Cheney again. As you hear this, all Americans should keep in fact in mind this fact. On the morning of January 6th, President Donald Trump's intention was to remain President of the United States despite the lawful outcome of the 2020 election and in violation of his constitutional obligation to relinquish power. Over multiple months, Donald Trump oversaw and coordinated a sophisticated seven-part plan to overturn the presidential election and prevent the transfer of presidential power. So, Jeff, that raises the question, where does this all lead? Um those are pretty serious implications, right, of leading an effort to overthrow the United States government. What's the end result if they prove that point? Yeah. Um, And this was, in speaking to the production values of this, that was the big tease, the the seven-point plan, which she didn't really get into what exactly it was, implication being we're going to get into that in future episodes, so to speak. It, just as an aside, um, I interviewed Norm Eisen this week, uh, who was the uh, head counsel for House Judiciary Democrats during the first impeachment. And I asked him, look, have, have the, has the committee learned anything from that first impeachment? And he said, oh, God, yes. Uh, you know, we know what we did wrong in terms of breaking through to the American people. And he said, this quote will be a presentation geared to the Netflix and TikTok generation. Um, That's what he told me. Uh, A smart strategic rollout of new evidence, new testimony, new video that people haven't seen before. Um, He said, you know, like when 
Ivanka and Jared, when you put their videos up, people are going to have to pay attention. And at least mm-hmm. as far as last night goes, he was he was absolutely right. Um, on the larger point of, of, of where this is going to go, I think skepticism is still in order a little bit. Um, my colleague Charlie Cook always likes to point out that anyone who has the capacity to be outraged by January 6th has already been outraged. Um, there's probably not a lot of new outrage to, to, to be had. Um, so I think anyone who is who thinks this is going to change the, the course of American politics and, and change the result of the midterm elections is probably still mistaken. Um, but it might really change the course of the 2024 election. Um, I, I could see a scenario in which enough people, at least enough Republicans, uh, have some increased skepticism about whether they want to give Donald Trump another four years. Uh, mm-hmm. one, of, one of the big winners of last night could be Ron DeSantis, of all people. Yeah, right. Yeah. If not Mike Pence. Well, um, Igor, could it, was Merrick Garland watching <laughs> last night and could it lead to some action on the part of the Justice Department? I mean, I thought that trying to overturn, overthrow the United States government was at least a misdemeanor. No. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think the whole point of... <laughs> Well, other than, you know, trying to make this case to the American people uh, as a public indictment, the whole point of last night was to, you know, uh, shock Merrick Garland into action, which uh, he's been more resistant to do. You know, he's allowed some things uh, to go, but not not everything that the the January 6th committee wants. And, uh, you know, that's why you saw so much focus on groups like the Proud Boys and Oath Keepers, mm. uh, kind of a clear mm-hmm. effort to make this about a criminal conspiracy, not just, you know, some people who are randomly there who went up to the Capitol. And right. and and making uh, the story about these extremists who were organized enough and sort of separating them from people who may have been misled and, uh, you know, were lied to by Trump and sort of followed others into the Capitol. To, to make this uh, uh, a charge-worthy uh, event that, that the DOJ will take up. And that's what Democrats, at least, um, are, are hoping happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, was there any one moment that, you, that was the most powerful moment of the hearing, or maybe unexpected, or most compelling, Elena, for you? For me, it was... Definitely seeing the first deposition, I think, it really gripped that. It was when we started to realize, oh, wow, we're going to see video from inside these closed-door testimonies with key officials. Seeing Bill Barr tell the committee in his own words that he told Donald Trump that you know his claims of fraud were BS. He, he mm-hmm. used the full the full word to see. You can say bullshit. That's okay. <laughs> okay. That he said. It's bullshit to Donald Trump. Um and and then also to continue to see that from from Jason Miller, from Mark Milley and Jared Kushner and Ivanka Trump, um, very to me that that was incredibly damning. Mm-hmm. What was the one moment that struck you from the hearing, Jeff? Um, I think uh, 
I keep going back to Liz Cheney and, and the way that she was tried to implicate some of the other House Republicans, for instance, Scott Perry, uh, mm. contacting the White oh, yeah. House to seek a presidential yeah. pardon. Right. And her, and her, um, one of the quotes she had, this might be my pull quote from the hearing, was she had a message to her fellow Republicans. Oh, yeah. There will come a day when Donald Trump is gone, but your dishonor will remain. <laughs> I mean, this, and this is a woman, by the way, whose Liz Cheney is down 30 points to her challenger in the yeah. last two polls. So she is really a, she has, she's a woman with nothing to lose right now. She's, she's letting it all hang out. That that was such a body blow. I thought such a <laughs> such a bombshell statement, right? Uh, and directed right at Kevin McCarthy. <laughs> it seemed. Uh, how about you, Igor? What stopped you in your tracks, kind of last night? Uh, for Anything? me, it was it was Officer Caroline Edwards, who yeah. you know I, I had uh, seen on the hill before, but I have never heard her story yet. Oh, um, yeah, and. To, to hear it so told so in such a vivid, uh, horrendous, you, you know, the, the experience that, that she she went through, you know, being knocked down and, and passing out and waking up. And then after, you know, getting herself back up, she continued yeah. to do her job. Um, and it was it was so, so gripping and underscored really for me, the, you know, the, the dichotomy between what she was saying and the all the awful things that these police officers, her and, and the ones who were seated behind her went through versus, you know, listening to House Republicans uh, talk about how Capitol Police are the ones who are responsible for this happening. And mm. it, it's mm -hmm. it's the leadership of the Capitol Police uh, who deserves to be investigated. And, you know, it's the let's blame the cops, essentially, for you know right. why this, why there was security breakdown and not not what was going over at the White House. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and I thought also, I have to add, uh, that I hadn't heard before, maybe I'd heard it, but I hadn't focused on it, that when they were showing the video of the, the mob attacking the police, beating the police, this poor officer down there, and then as you point out, she got up, brushed off her injuries, and then went back on the job. And Donald Trump saying, this is the greatest movement, political movement ever in the history of the country. And you could just feel all the love in the air. Yeah, their definition of love. Um, wow. Uh, a very powerful. And the first of, what, six total hearings, right, Elena? Is that what's planned? I think They made it seem last Hi. night, I believe there may be more now, um, a total mm -hmm. of seven or eight um, this month, just the way that they, yeah. they previewed them last night. So there will be more. I think the next one is uh, Monday night, and we'll be talking about those as they come along. Well, believe it or not, there was at least action on one other front, or a lot of talk on one other front, and that is the gun front today in the Hill. Uh, let's at least spend a couple of minutes talking about that after a quick break here on the uh, Bill Press Pod, and then we'll be back with today's roundtable. Igor Babish from HuffPost, Jeff Dufour, the National Journal, Elena Train from uh, Axios. And today's roundtable on the Bill Press Pod is brought to you by the United Food and Commercial Workers Union. All the good men and women, over half a million strong, of the UFCW under President Mark Perrone. They're the good people who take care of us at our big retail chains. 
uh, nationwide grocery chains, our chemical plants, poultry and meat processing plants, and our cannabis plants as well, serving us all throughout the uh, COVID uh, pandemic uh, and every day uh, providing the good service that we appreciate when we uh, frequent their chain, their stores, particularly the big grocery stores. We salute the members of the UFCW, thank them for their support of the Bill Press Pod, and check out their website at ufcw.org. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm -mm -mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. And we're back on the Bill Press Pod and today's Reporters Roundtable, uh, Elena Train, uh, Congressional Reporter for Axios, Jeff Dufour, Editor-in-Chief of National Journal, Igor Bobby, Senior Politics Reporter at HuffPost, Igor the House of Representatives passed a pretty sweeping package of gun control measures uh, this week, knowing uh, that that package would have zero chance in the United States Senate. Why did they do it? Well, they do it because something needs to be done to you know, address gun violence in this country and mass shootings. Um, and it seems like the Senate also wants to do something, but you know, Bill, having gone through so many of these rounds of negotiations, uh, it's it's hard not to be skeptical. Uh, you know, I went after Sandy Hook. We thought something would right. be different. Um, and here we have another just horrific uh, shooting. And the Senate, you know, was very optimistic uh, in the, the first week or two. Now now it's over two weeks since the, the Ovalde shooting. Um and this week, you know, senators are still saying that maybe, you know, we're hoping to get a deal on, on some kind of framework agreement. Um, and, and they've yet to strike that strike that bargain on, on something far more narrow. You know, we're not talking about, for example, in the, in the wake of Sandy Hook, there was talk about more comprehensive background checks or something like Mansion Toomey. This is this is far more narrow. Adding you know juvenile records to the the, the back, FBI's background check system and bolstering men, mental health and uh, 
some of these uh, kind of more limited steps that are quite popular um, and, and yet still we're here waiting. Um, now, now they're saying that, that they might not get something done and, until uh, next month, potentially. So uh, it's, it's hot. Maybe I'm in, in the minority, but, and, and a jaded cynical reporter here, but <laughs> uh, I'm, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. Well, uh, you're not alone in being cynical and jaded. Jeff, it seems uh, uh, Igor's right. There was all this optimism, uh, optimistic talk, right, from Chris Murphy and from John Cornyn. And yet every time we hear from them now, particularly from Cornyn, it seems like there's less and less of a chance of doing anything meaningful. Yeah. Um, Murphy still says that this is the the most serious negotiations and discussions he's had on guns since Sandy Hook. But as Igor points out, nothing happened after Sandy Hook either. Um, I think this is obviously, I'm, I'm not saying anything new here, but this is all going to be decided in the Senate. The, the House is kind of catch-all bill with uh, safe storage, red flag, mental health, background checks, legal protections for gun manufacturers, all of this. The, the problem with this is the, the more provisions you add to the bill, the more elements there is, the, the more support you're going to peel off in the Senate. Um, every one of those, you're going to lose one or two senators that, that you need because you're starting out in the Senate with probably uh, three dozen members who are just going to reflexively vote no on everything to begin with. Mm -hmm. Um, so of, of course the person I look at is not just Murphy and Cornyn, but I look at Joe Manchin. Um, Manchin has said he's open to raising the age uh, to 21 for gun purchases. And he is, uh, skeptical that anyone needs an AR 15. So he, he seems like he'll, he'll, he'll back some restrictions on AR 15s and, and giant magazines and, and things of that nature. So uh, maybe they get 60 votes for a couple of these provisions, um, but I think whatever they get through, if they do get anything through, is going to be certainly very modest compared to what Murphy would want to do. Right. Um, and I know the, the, the you know, common wisdom is that, particularly on the Republican side, is they can't do anything that would in any way ruffle the feathers of the NRA because they would be primaried or they would be defeated and they would lose their seat. Um, I was So I was struck, Elena, this week there, that NPR released a poll showing 72% of Americans said they were more likely to vote this year in the midterms because of what happened the school shooting in Uvalde. So is it possible maybe Republicans are reading the political tea leaves absolutely backwards? It is, but I also think that's the reason why these talks have been at least as much, and I have a lot of skepticism too. I'm, I'm with um, you know my other panelists this morning. I, I, you can be very cynical when it comes to to covering Congress, particularly the Senate in a fifty fifty um, in a fifty fifty split Senate. But I think that's part of the reason Republicans are telling each other that they do need to do something here. One, of course, I think seeing these kids get just murdered, um, so many of them, 
and and it happening in a lot of Republicans' backyards um, is is definitely something that moved them. But also, it's the political aspect, and and you're exactly right. That poll and other polls that they've been shown. I know that at their Republican lunches this week. Um, they, they were shown some polls as well on this. They know where the politics are and where the popularity is. And they know that it's unsustainable to not do something. Of course, does that mean that a deal will happen? Unclear. But I think it's why they've gotten farther than they have in a decade on these talks. And from my conversations with Republicans this week, I asked them about this and they all said, surprisingly, I remember I had one conversation with Kevin Kramer, who is almost always very candid with reporters um, to mm-hmm. many of his aides' dismay at times. But he said, you know, I don't think as much as past and history would show that a lot of this is political. It seems like a lot of people do feel sincere about having these conversations and recognizing the time has come to do something. Um, and so we'll have to see what happens. And and both Igor and Jeff are right. If, if there are any changes at all, they will be very modest. But the view of, of nearly everyone now in the Senate, Democrats and Republicans alike, is that any step forward toward progress is better than none. So we'll have to see. But um, I've been encouraged at least by um, that attitude change within many Republicans. Uh, well, Igor, let me ask you, this is probably impossible, an impossible <laughs> request, <laughs> but can you tell us what the hell Mitch McConnell feels about this? I mean, does he want a bill or not? Well, I mean, <laughs> it's it would be great to get into McConnell's head uh, on any topic, but uh, I will say we know what he's done in the past, which is... Uh, you know, uh, take the temperature of his caucus and and go from there. He's not going to ro- rock the boat and and stake himself out on a vine and and try to get the, to corral them on, onto something that they don't want to do. So he's he will uh, take the position that's politi- politically safest, at least for him as 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 caucus leader. Uh, he has this goal of becoming the longest running uh, Senate mm-hmm. Senate leader. Um, out of, out of either party, which I believe he's, he will, uh, he will, uh, mark, um, next year or, or soon. Um, so, you know, I don't, I don't envision him, envision him exactly prodding his members into something bold here, but if he sees that there are enough, uh, Republicans on board, like, like infrastructure, for example, he, he could, he could, uh, try to do something modest as well. Uh, it's certainly a different uh, definition of leadership, uh, at least than I grew up with. Uh, so, Jeff, let me give you the final word, is, uh, the last word. Is this an issue you think that can uh, move the needle? What are your people telling you uh, at um, National Journal? Not necessarily. I mean, really? skepti- yeah. skepticism is, as Rain's you said, is, yes, is, <laughs> skepticism is well-warranted. I mean, the other danger here is that, uh, speaking of McConnell and his savviness, um, on the other side, you've got uh, Chuck Schumer, who has stepped in it on occasion. And and there's another danger that that could happen again. If he forces a Mm -hmm. vote that they're bound to lose, uh, 
all you do is demoralize your base and, and your caucus going into the fall yet again, mm -hmm. which is something he's done, you know, two or three times already this year. Um, so he's got to be real careful on, on, on his side of things as well. Um, as, as bad as it is, it, it if, if there, if there aren't the votes to be had, letting the issue die might actually be the, the, the lesser evil rather than forcing a vote where you're only going to get 55, mm -hmm. um, 55 right. votes. Um, but yeah, I, I, th I think this issue is, is, is largely baked in and I don't know how many, um, d Democrats are, really looking to make this something other than a referendum on, on Biden and the democratic leadership. They want to make this a choice election. And they're thinking that potentially mm -hmm. guns or potentially abortion could turn this into a choice election. But I, I don't think we're quite there yet. Right. Uh, with of course the decision on Roe v. Wade looming and the Supreme court decision on guns in New York state uh, looming as well. We'll see how all that plays out Two. Big, big issues this week uh, dominating the news from the nation's capital. Last night's hearing of the January 6th committee and the Senate and House action or inaction on gun control. Thanks to our panel this morning for bringing us up to date on uh, both of those. Elena Train, congressional reporter for Axios. Igor Babish, senior politics reporter at HuffPost. And Jeff Dufour, editor-in-chief of the National Journal. Thank you, uh, panelists, and thank you all for listening here to The Bill Press Pod. On Tuesday, we'll be back with the next edition of The Bill Press Pod, and we'll have an interview with Congresswoman Zoe Lofgren, who is a member of the January 6th committee. We'll get her take on last night's hearing and on next Monday night's hearing and how she sees the work of the committee and where she thinks this is heading. That's it for now. Have a great weekend. Thanks again for joining us. We'll see you on the next edition of the Bill Press Pod. Save on Cox Internet when you add Cox Mobile and get fiber-powered internet at home and unbeatable 5G reliability on the go. So whether you're playing a game at home Yes, cool. or attending one live no! you can do more without spending more. Learn how to save at cox.com slash internet. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial cable. Cox Mobile runs on the network with unbeatable 5G reliability as measured by Ookla LLC in the US to H2023. Results may vary, not an endorsement. Other restrictions apply.